You're listening to the A Scully Cast, brought to you by www.ascully.com. And here are your hosts, A Scully and Sid Talk. Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry Christmas, Sid Talk. Thanks. It's been a while. I realized in the last episode, we didn't say Merry Christmas to anybody. That was rude. So we were very rude. <laughs> very, very rude. So, Merry Christmas, everybody. And Do happy... you think this makes up for it? You think now they're like, oh, thank goodness. He... Ace Gully has finally wished me a Merry Christmas. Now, kids, we can open the packages. <laughs> I feel like that is more... <laughs> I, f- I do feel that we um, have proved ourselves to be better human beings by telling them it now. Oh, that so... wouldn't include me because I didn't even think of it, so... No, you didn't. <laughs> and also, a Happy New Year because it will be New Year by the time you hear this. So... We'll give you that one in advance, and we'll give you the other one (laughs) belated. Enjoy. (laughs) So, it is the weekend of Saturday, December the 30th. This is after the show number 511. We are a movie review podcast, and we are going to review a movie. The movie's called Stronger. It's a 2017 movie, released on Blu-ray December the 19th, so you can pick this one up. It's rated R from our friends at Lionsgate. And Sid Talk will give you the short synopsis of Stronger. It is based on the true story of a man who had his legs blown off in the Boston Marathon a terrorist bombing. That is a good synopsis. I mean, that is, it is what it is. We're not going to flower it up. It's not like some fictional, you know, tale with a real person tucked in it. It's just the tale. It's just the story of him and the the complexity of becoming a victim not a victim and a hero, but maybe not a hero. All that's mixed in there. So that's that's my synopsis. Yes. So this year we have been uh, privy to two Boston bombing movies. The first one, which we reviewed, you can go back and listen to our podcast about it. It's called Patriot's Day, starring Mr. Marky Mark. And uh, did we like that one? Can you remember, Sid Talk? Um, I don't know if I can remember, but I can look. What was it called? Patriot's Day. Yeah, I would say we kind of liked it, aside from... Yeah, aside from knowing that there's fictional stuff mixed in it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, the the difference between these two movies is... And there may be well in this one. We don't know. We didn't get those details. No, but Patriot's Day is played more for action and more for... I mean, it it turns into like a manhunt for this guy, and it's like all action packed. This is stronger. Is not that at all. It's a character piece about a person and what the Boston bombing did change their life. Basically, it's not about trying to find some terrorist. It's a uh, the opposite kind of story, more the, of a drama. The fallout. Yeah. So um, I'll ask you first. What did you think of Stronger? It was really good. <laughs> I have a hard time when I think a movie is well made and mixed with entertaining and high quality. I don't feel like there's much more to say. So it's really difficult. Okay, goodbye. <laughs> That's Thanks, the everybody. Thanks That's for tuning in. That's why when I write my reviews, it's like, okay, it's really good to me. And in this one, it tells the story in a way that I grasp lots of levels of all these different things, like a family that's not... You know, got their shit together, and a dude who's basically like a fuck up, kind of, and gets thrown in the middle of this by a couple of assholes who decide to blow people up. 
for their own fucked up reasons. And that you don't become a hero or a good guy or a well-balanced human being just because something horrible happens to you. Like I say, too, without being disrespectful to anyone, so my apologies, but my father died earlier this year and he didn't become a saint. He was still an asshole. He was still a big asshole when he died. I just learned to appreciate the parts of him that he tried to work on, right? But that didn't make him better just because he got ill and died. Now, that sounds really harsh, but in this instance, just because this guy got his legs blown off didn't instantly make him the perfect boyfriend, the perfect son. It didn't galvanize his family into some perfect non-alcoholic family, which I think the hints of that are there without being disrespectful to the family. It's, it's hardly pretty a hint, strong. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it wasn't overtly said, but, you know. So I think that's really complex that we like to say, and that's what he was dealing with, is that people going past him in the street, American hero, and he's like, what are you talking about? Like, I'm still the same jerk-off I was yeah, five said, minutes before he, it happened. He said to that guy, I got blew up, what's hero about yeah, that? Yeah, what's so heroic about standing in a place I and stood in a up? line, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, what he didn't realize, and the way the movie tells it, is that until the way that you're dealing with it is what is really showing you the stronger that's the title, I assume, is that it didn't just, you know, for some people, because they're never going to know him, he's an abstract symbol of something, I'll never know him personally, other than this movie or whatever, so he becomes instantly, yeah, he's a survivor, you know, fuck those guys and all that, so he's not really a person, but to himself, he has, he's figured out the way I'm dealing with this and the way I can help other people deal with the terrible things. It took him a while, it seemed like, to kind of come around to that idea. That he just wanted to disappear. Didn't it feel like that to you? Like, he just wanted to not be anything. He just wanted to, like, wallow in his self-pity. And it's kind of like he thought it was just happening to him. Because even when she says to him, it doesn't just happen to you. And he goes, what do you mean it didn't just happen to me? And then as the movie goes on and he has that moment of, like, realizing and, like, zooming out, basically, from his life, like we shall all do. And seeing all the pain and suffering of that day, and then backing up even further and seeing all the pain and suffering that other people do, and that what they can cling to is to see someone else being strong. Sometimes that's all they've got. And so I think that, see, I got all that from this story. And I have to make it clear here that this guy is not a runner in the Boston Marathon. He's Mm -hmm. a spectator. So it's from the point of view of the spectator. He came to see his... Ex kind of girlfriend. Kind of on and off girlfriend (laughs) running the marathon. That's the reason he came that day, to try and make it up to her a little bit and try and fix his relationship. And uh, that kind of plays a part later in the story. Yeah. In a kind of a cruel uh, argument that they have. But, um, yeah, it is a true story based on the book, Stronger. Uh, Are you going to ask me how I liked it? (laughs) (laughs) Is this a new format I have to follow? (laughs) Uh, this is a very natural flowing of this conversation. <laughs> so, A. Scully, how did you like it? I told you last night that if I'm ever a producer of those goddamn shows, all I, I love cooking shows. And I love competition shows. I love them all, except for that bullshit where they'll sit. They come in that and they say... That was what I was getting up. Today, yeah, today, the contestants 
have to cook a lizard or whatever. And then it's like one person says, wow, we walked in the room and we're going to have to cook a what? And then the next person goes, I walked in and I saw a lizard and I was like, am I cooking this? <laughs> and then the next person says, I have never cooked a lizard. It's like, what the fuck? I'm not. If I'm the producer on that show, as shit goes. I think so they I'm not going to fake a little vignette for you here. Oh, hey, how do you like it? Ugh. I think what they think is uh, people have got goldfish memory. <laughs> or stupid. And uh, they need to be told every three seconds. I think um, they're just wasting time. They have 48 minutes, yeah. essentially, in most shows. 45 to 48 minutes. And they're just wasting 30 seconds at a time. It's like, or 10 seconds. It's like, seriously, just show me more of the stuff. Anyway, in a very unnatural way, <laughs> ask me how I like this movie. Hey, hey, Scully, how did you like this movie? I actually, <laughs> um, over the two, Patriot's Day and Stronger. Don't compare, but okay. Not comparing. Because <laughs> I, did, I did like the other one, apart from uh, my problem with the other one was it got a bit too overdramatic and a bit... You know, like we watched the the TV show Designated Survivor. Yes, it kind of yeah. went into that territory, like towards the end of it. It was moving along, but I mean, that was the reality of what happened. Yeah. So they had to kind of sum it up. Where the guy was found in a boat, and obviously that, that other movie took a lot of liberties with the truth and mm-hmm. made up some people. Whereas this one is more just a personal story. Now we don't know if it's fully true either, do we? But. No. It seemed, nothing seemed kind of, oh, that wouldn't have happened. The guy who lived it was yeah. the one who wrote the book and then helped with the script. So yeah. I feel like, it, just like that one we watched recently, The Big Sick, if those people who lived it decide to make choices for a movie script that make it more entertaining or funnier or whatever, that's fine. Because it's their story, right? They're at the helm. If someone else took over my life story... And decided to make some shit up, you know, like I saved some people from a drowning boat or something. I'd be like, uh, no, no, no. If I am telling my story and I decide to do that, it's my responsibility. So I'm, I'm fine with whatever changes they made, but we weren't made aware of them, so. Now, so answering the question of did I like this movie? Yes, I really like this movie. I thought, um, when we go to the cast later, Jake Gyllenhaal did a fantastic job of like, laying it all out there. Like, it, uh, he wasn't, like, Mr. Uh, kind of handsome man or anything. He was... <laughs> there was times where it was kind of gross, and there's times where he was... His personality wasn't... You know, he, like you say, this guy is flawed, right? He's not He's mm-hmm. not like a all-American hero, like, like the press tried to put it on him. He's... He isn't... He even thinks he's a mess... He's fucked up, isn't he? Like, yeah. he doesn't even understand how to operate properly. Like... <laughs> He's a, you know, he, he shows you him at the beginning when he's at work, very briefly. He works in the meat department he's of charming, Costco. charming, but he's just very self-centered. Charming, but um, even a fuck-up in, you know, all aspects. He's, he's, but she uh, loves him for something. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, but he's been on and off with her. And then, you know, he, his, his ultimate thing is, I'll come to the... She's a marathon runner. I'll come and watch you run. She's probably like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, whatever. As if. Because <laughs> that was one of her things. Well, you don't ever show yeah. up. Like, but he did show up that day, unfortunately. Um, well, no. I mean, well, fortunately, unfortunately. Yeah. Set things in motion for whatever. But my, my the true, for me, uh, Jake Gyllenhaal and the uh, Tatiana Maslany, who plays. She's so good. Yeah, both of those, both of them, they, they're what make this film really a, it's, it's almost the acting is what's stand out in it absolutely it's one of those movies where 
you know, you kind of know where it's all going. There's no surprises really in this movie, but it, it comes down to there are scenes between them for me that felt just so realistic. One of them was, uh, you know, when he was in the hospital bed and she was just leaning on the thing, looking into his eyes, like kind of mm-hmm. like, real it just felt like a real, like in the big sick that we watched, like a real kind of moment there. Definitely. And also the argument that they have in the car where he, really really yeah. <laughs> is horribly cruel to her like he's not horribly cruel he just is some he, of the stuff he, he says is cruel i mean it is it. like the most biting stuff you could say to somebody no it isn't well in, in my opinion um you don't uh, think that was bad what he said um i didn't say it wasn't bad it's not the most biting thing you can say to a person at all it was just in that moment that's you know well i i, I in my estimation of the film i'd got it in that from how he was with her, what he was saying there was intentionally just to hurt her. Like, sure. Um, but it wasn't and it the worst was what he, he thought was the worst thing he could say. And, uh, but that's just my opinion. So, um. Uh, I understand it's your opinion, but it's actually a fact that it's not the worst thing you could say to a person. I would have thought it would be to her at that moment. But anyway. Um, so, he, um, yeah, he's a kind of a dick. I don't know. Uh, one one thing that seemed kind of unrealistic to me in the movie, if there is anything that's unrealistic, is it's that uh, scene where he where they're drunk and they're driving the car. Does that seem? Did that seem right? Yeah, to you? no, it seemed very put movie. on. But I don't know. I you know, wasn't there. Basically, they're drunk and driving the car. He's got he's got no legs at this point, um, but he's recovered. But he obviously can't. Um, what do you call it? Can't use the <laughs> pedals. He has of the no car. feet. He has no. Yeah. He has so no his legs. friend, who who is drunk in the car, is operating the feet, and uh, the police pull them over. It doesn't seem unbelievable. Fully, but, but the police just like instantly going, "Oh, are you um, Jeff Bohom?" And then let's just have a picture with you. Like we're going to let you off. <laughs> I don't know if the police operate that way. Maybe they do. I don't know. It just seemed a bit movie-ish. It didn't say they didn't arrest him or give him a ticket. It just uh, it, it skips <laughs> over all that stuff, yeah. doesn't it? In the movie, yeah. though. it just comes across as this movie moment. Definitely. Um, so that was the only part that I felt was unrealistic because the rest of it was pretty realistic. Um, I liked uh, the the other movie, Patriots Day. It shows you the full horror of the thing, and you spend quite a while. You know, on the build-up to the bomb going off and the bomb going off and the horror. In this movie, it really gets to the point. She, You know, it it gives you the little bit at the beginning where you see the characters. The bomb happens and then the rest of the movie takes place after the event. Um, So it doesn't linger on the... We know what the tragedy is, right? Mm -hmm. We've We've seen the real footage and we've seen... I felt like it was because he hadn't faced it fully. He had hinted that he had had glimpse of... And it's PTSD, I'm sure, is what he was suffering from. But that it, he wasn't fully facing... He was only facing his part of it. So yeah. when we see the big scene of it, it's when he zooms out and does that thing where he's like, holy shit, I wasn't, I wasn't the only one there. Like, hundreds of people got blown up. And that's when we see it, is when he... Yeah, towards the It end. finally dawns on him. Or he faces it, maybe. You know, he just couldn't face it before. I don't know. Yeah, towards when you do get to see kind of the gruesome horror of the whole thing. Very horrible. But it's not quite how the other one betrayed it. It's um, more of a personal kind of thing. Like, right, it's just on him. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, let's move on to the cast because that's where all the goodness is in this movie. Jake Gyllenhaal plays Jeff. Jeff Bowman. Um, I, I like Jake Gyllenhaal a lot. I think he's excellent in most things. We The last time we saw him was Nocturnal Animals. You didn't really like that movie that much, but no. um, he, he actually did a good job in it. Um, Nightcrawler. pretentious. Yeah. Was a, also another one where he's... I, I really like him, uh, but in this... It's a really challenging role, I think, because he's working closely with the real guy. You know, mm-hmm. he's 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 got that, and he's he's got to portray that guy um, how he thinks he is. And ev- almost all the scenes are emotional in some way, or absolutely. Yeah. He also he has to deal with the um. You know, he's <laughs> it's CG in the movie. He didn't have his legs chopped off. But uh, I said, you know how he is. Yeah. <laughs> did he did he do this to you know just to... that'd be Daniel Day Lewis. Like, oh God, like in my left foot, you know. <laughs> um, but yeah, did he, he go insane for you know? <laughs> yeah. Drink your milkshake. But um, he um, it's so challenging the movie, almost all of it, and I bought him all the time. There was no moments where I was like. That's not how he, how a guy would be in that situation. I really liked how this movie explored that of, you know, your legs have been blown off in this event, and then all of a sudden, the world wants to make you some kind of hero. Yeah. And in your mind, what are you? You don't. You're yeah, not a hero. You you're just a done? person who got injured in some event. Correct. Right? You didn't do anything heroic. Like Except- he said. The way you're coping. What, right. How you present yourself after, I think, is the big... And then like, that's all forced onto you. And this movie explores that. Like, he, there's one point where he, he says to his um, girlfriend, you know, they want me to go to the Stanley Cup ice hockey thing, come on the ice and wave the flag. Like, it's a thing that people do, and they, everybody's telling me to do it. And you can tell, like, he's not ready for something like that, to go yeah. in front of thousands of people and, you know... What is it you're doing, really? You're just like, hey, hey you're look, a I'm a, I'm a man else. who was yeah. blew up. Here I am waving a flag like, I'm brave. And it could be, you know, considered like exploitation on some level. But then other people say, no, no, we just want a hero. We need a hero. And then you find out as people see him, other people are inspired by him just basically just seeing his face. And then they're, they've heard his story, right? Yeah. That inspires them enough for him, for it to click in his mind. Like, yeah, I'm, you know, it's very symbolic. But how about if I just live that life instead of just be that guy, you know, be the face of it. So I think that was a and it really he, he- heavy in the movie. And he struggles with it. Like, he, you know, it's a difficult thing. Like, I, it's almost like, like you said, he doesn't want to be like Mr. Mm-hmm. Hero on television, on, you know, all this kind of stuff doing interviews. He just wants to, like, sit in his room, doesn't he? And just, <laughs> like, walk. Well, go drink beer with his friends and, <laughs> you know, yeah. the basics. But then, you know, something in, in the movie, like, the story is kind of inspirational and he kind of figures it out slowly along the way that, you know, I am valuable to some people. You know, there's that... I thought it... That ending part there, while it makes you feel good, you know what I'm talking about with the guy... When he talks to the yeah. guy outside the stadium. 
while that makes you you feel good to see that that feels a little bit sappy to me like it's but i think that was the true story was it though i believe so and i felt like that was the guy yes for possible he didn't seem like an actor did he no Um, so i think some of those it's mixed together in a way because real life stories of people being inspired are sappy yeah you could take it could take me it could take anything just seeing you know and then say you see someone survive breast cancer Right, and then you get breast cancer, and then you're just like, "Oh, she's my idol," or something, and that sounds really like put on. But it's something it's that real. can help you, like yeah, you. it's real. Maybe we've taken that on from watching movies and listening to radio stories and reading books over the years, like where it's been dramatized, or maybe it's just natural, where you get this overwhelming emotion, and it sounds sappy because we're all cynical. <laughs> I'm cynical anyway. Yeah. But I think it's a re- it can be a real thing. Um, I felt like he was a real guy. Yeah. And I felt, you know, there's lots of Oscar talk about this movie. It's the kind of movie that people in the Oscars can get behind. We've seen other movies where they've got a message or a real story behind them. Sometimes the people do rally behind these kind of movies. But it's almost... Jake Gyllenhaal... It, I think he really put his heart and soul into it. There's not a moment where I was like, oh, he's just, you know, phoning this in, or it's just... He never is that way, really, except maybe in that... He seems intense. Ken, Kenju, what was the name of that movie with the big... Yeah. That one. <laughs> but then even that oh, was pretty... Okja. Yeah, Okja. Even then, that was pretty intense. Yeah, he, that was, actually, that was more intense. It was just some. It was just him being bananas, wasn't it? Doing some weird, <laughs> yeah. crazy character. Um, so yeah, I give all props to Jake Gyllenhaal. Uh, I've always liked him. There's nothing that's ever put me off him. Even Ukja, which you <laughs> didn't like. But there again, that was just because it was so bizarre. Yeah, it was. I mean, I loved the movie. Yeah. His part was like, ugh. Yeah, but um, nothing's really put me, well, nothing has ever put me off him. So, And this only affirms to me that he's a great actor. He's really puts himself in stuff. And this Absolutely. one. Absolutely. This one, I feel, would be a hard thing to put yourself into. You've got to live that guy. And, you know. I don't know that everybody does that for parts, but, I mean, he does. So No, I don't think they do either. The and result. I think I can tell when they do. Like You know? When somebody's just, you know, uh, it doesn't seem like they're fully with it. <laughs> and this, you know, they, there's not a moment in this movie where I don't believe that he has got no legs. So that is really well done. Whoever did the technical, technical aspect of this. Tatiana Maslani plays Erin Hurley, is her girlfriend. Um, You might recognize her. She is the main character in Orphan Black, the BBC TV series. Um, I think they did six seasons of it. So she's famous from there. So what did you think of her? She was amazing. Seriously. Amazing. She's she's a Canadian actress. Not not a lot of people probably know her. She was incredible. Incredibly good. Yeah. She was really... I don't know. There was so, the relationship between her and and Jeff's mother. I really enjoyed. Yeah, because it is very like real that to me. Yeah, like the mother is that's my son, and you know that moment when she'd slept with Jeff. She yeah. got got back with him, and she's wearing his like a hockey shirt, and she she's walking to the fridge in the house to go and get a drink, and the mother kind of catches her there at the thing yeah. and says, have you had sex with my son? <laughs> and it's just like a weird, 
you can feel the weirdness between them two all the time. You know, also that part where she's swearing at the mother. Oh, the yeah, I love the, that. That was great. And the part in the back garden where the mother's decided that Oprah's going to be coming to interview her son. And she's saying, she's defending him, basically, saying he doesn't want to do that stuff yeah. anymore. It just gets heated with them. and you. you it was done all, really well. You've like, all seen relationships like that. Where yep. Because the mother has to protect the son. and she's Oh, this the, mother, though, she's not trying to protect anybody. She's trying to, she's taking on the, We're, we're a hero family. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know. Kind of classless. In yeah. the, the way it's portrayed. Not totally classless, but pretty close. But yeah, this uh, Tatiana is really, really good. Again, if anybody's getting nominated for stuff, I think she should be included. Yeah, she's really good. Miranda Richardson, um, famous British actress, plays Patty Bowman, the mother, again. You would never tell she was British, right? No. I, I knew God, because no. I know Miranda Richardson. Now, again, if you are from Boston. You might and go, you've lived what with the heck? Heck? <laughs> Yeah, you might be like, ah. <laughs> But I, no, to me, she sounded, she was just good. She did a good job of being the drunken, traumatized mother. And she's the... And manipulative. Well, what's interesting about the mother is they've never had this kind of attention. So when they start getting this attention, I mean, attention just because her son got blew up. Yeah. She's almost reveling in it. She's like... Oprah's coming. Like, this is a good thing that's <laughs> happened to us here. Yeah, exactly. Because now we are, we can do this and we can do that. Like so, Oprah was the big deal. Yeah, so you can... It, it's a bit perverse. I don't know if the actual real guy saw his mother in that, acting in that way. I don't know how real he said, that... He said, if nothing else, I want this movie to be honest. Yeah, he did say that, yeah. And it does show him... It doesn't show him to be, like, the best guy either, does it? It just does. like a, just like nothing. Like I don't. I'm not. I'm just gonna go party and watch baseball and hang and, out and live with my mom and work at the grocery store. And, and that's not bad. But I feel like you know he had, as with a lot of tragic things that happen to individuals, it is a catalyst to reexamine your life and then like go whoa, what am I doing? You know, not for everybody, but it seemed like it was that for him. Clancy Brown plays Big Jeff. Good old Clancy. He yeah. just keeps showing up. I thought he did a good job, actually. Sure. Very good. I mean, it was one of those... It isn't a major part. I was really. convinced, though, that he was the mad, the dad who was angry. Yeah. That part where, at the beginning, where they're in the hospital room, the waiting room, all of them, and the guy from Costco, who where <laughs> he works, comes in. Because the hostility towards this guy immediately, like, and even though this guy is the nicest guy ever trying to actually do everybody a favor, you could see all this hostility from him. Uh, and then he has two friends in the movie. Uh, Richard Lane plays Sully and Nate Richmond plays Big D. They're like his life friends, basically, mm -hmm. who help him through a lot of things. And there is support kind of structure. Um, I really like the part on the on the when they go playing on the swings when they're kind of drunk. Oh god! <laughs> and then there's that kind of caper in the car. Like I said, if yeah. there's anything I could lose in this movie, it'd be that little bit. But I do like the two friends because they do show. You can tell. There's many times where they're like. Oh, I'll, I'll, actually, the best part for me is um, when he wakes up. And he write, he's writing down yeah. on the piece of paper, and he write, said, what are you thinking, what are you thinking, buddy? And he writes down, like, uh, Lieutenant Dan from 
<laughs> like that's, and if that's the first thing you wrote, that's awesome. I yeah. don't, we don't know, but and he's he's like, oh, you feel like Lieutenant Dan from Forrest Gump? What the fuck? <laughs> but yeah, it's really you know, yeah, is that the first thing you wrote? Was was he that kind of guy? Like the you know funny guy? But uh, this is um, directed by David Gordon Green, who you will know from uh, he directed a movie that we reviewed. You can go back and listen to our review of uh, Our Brand Is Crisis. Yeah, I like that one. And he also directed Pineapple Express, which is like a crazy stoner comedy with Seth Rogen from quite a while back. So this guy does a lot of different things. Our Brandy's Crisis was a good movie, though, wasn't it? It was yeah, a good drama it. movie. Um, what did you think of uh, this director in this movie? You think? Uh, oh, that was good. I mean, I don't know. I think sometimes when it's invisible, you know, and you don't... I don't know. It's not... There's no over-stylized anything. It just is what it is. I think that it doesn't show... The only thing that I think of some directors when we see a movie like this is that they've pulled good performances and lots of detail that are put into the production. But the performances, the camera work is pretty straightforward. There's nothing fancy or anything. There's no... I think they were overthinking what they were talking about, the color scheme of the different shots and the scenes and creating a mood. No, That was a that. cinematographer, yeah. wasn't it? I mean, yeah, and that's his thing, but it didn't come off like that at all. And I've watched thousands of movies, and I understand the dynamic of watching a scene where someone's depressed and they desaturate it. And then you want to see a happy scene where you've plugged more color in or made it kind of pink or something to get the emotions going. But none of that applied. At least it wasn't, it wasn't overt enough to make you go, to make you feel it. It was either so subtle that I was just brainwashed by it. Or he was overthinking it. But that was not really a directional thing. And I think that when you get performances, really intimate performances, like like you said, where they've where they're taking the dressing off of the stumps yeah. of his leg and she's just got her head and just looking straight right into in his frame. eyes. And the director's probably I felt like the director's thing is he was watching it just like we were, like, Oh my god, they're so good <laughs> like, yeah. and just letting them be really gutsy and like, you know. So I think that's where his direction came in, but it's not stamped as if it were his to there me. Are, yeah, um, as far as the cinematographer goes, there are a couple of like kind of soft focus through her hair. Do you, do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. There was a scene where where it was looking at the side of her head through her hair, and this the it was kind of blown out. And there was a couple of things like that where I was like, "Oh, that's kind of an artsy shot," but it doesn't follow through. It's not all like that. It's just right. And I don't feel like that was direction so much as. You like know. this part will look cool. Oh, I've but that's not them. his thing. Maybe someone he was more like, okay, yep, that's fine. But he's more about the content, I, I think, th- than the appearance. But as far as a good drama film, he made a good drama mm-hmm. film. Yeah, I mean, it's a it's well executed. So uh, there are some. There is one extra on the Blu-ray. Let me say, it's actually uh, Faith, Hope, and Love Becoming Stronger. It's a thirty-minute behind-the-scene featurette. Pretty good because I really wanted to see like the real guy talking, <clears throat> which you get. I wanted to see how the prosthetic effects were done, which you get to see, and uh, just stories about well, the director talks, all the actors talk. It's mm-hmm. actually a well-made extra. It's not, yeah. Um, and you get to see the real guy talk quite a bit, uh, and you get to see him meet with Jay Gyllenhaal, and you know, so yeah, it's just that one thing. There is nothing else. But um, it is a reasonably put, well put together thing. So, um, conclusion on on this movie, stronger. 
Is it going into your? Is it in your top ten movies of twenty seventeen? Does it reach in there? Uh, are we on that? Are we on that? We're not on that yet. But, I mean, this could have been a contender. Um, it is. It is in the score range of the top ten. Yes, because nice. of quality and because I was really, really in it. Yeah, and you I know think what I mean. It... I was like, I was thinking about so many things, and really, what assholes people are who try to kill people because of an idea and that's it or try to make themselves look like a big strong dick so these other guys over in this group are gonna think they're good or martyr them or something it's just bullshit and then yes someone could argue like the guy from fifth element that with destruction comes life right the guy um gary oldman's character breaks the thing and says see because of destruction all these people and all these factories are working and da, da da and other people have said, well, when something bad happens, well, everyone profits from it and everyone uses it as a beacon to, like, make more money or get themselves known. I understand that, but it just makes you think, what, what the fuck are you thinking? You put a backpack on a sidewalk in a crowd of people killing a child, so you didn't give a shit about that, right? Because a child died, a woman died, um... People's loads of people lost their feet and their legs. I yep. mean, what are you proving? Now you're in jail, motherfucker, and you, like your brother's dead, and you're in jail, and I'm sure you don't get treated very nice, which is fine with me. I'm not soft on shit like this, so people might think, oh, you know, you're all hippy dippy. No, I'm not. Not when it comes to this. And so this movie makes me think, in that moment, the destruction that's about to be wrought on these people's lives, you actually don't care at all. Like you, it's something, it probably gets, I don't even know. I couldn't, I couldn't get in that head, except I want to prove a point and I don't care about these people. And then you see, this is the fallout, you know? Yeah. People's lives. Some could say, well, see, he's a better person now because they got their legs blown off. Well, that's, you know, he would have been fine without the bomb. Yeah. (laughs) You know? So that, all that stuff piles up in a movie that's well done. That's telling me a true story. It is very well made, and uh, it's it's very emotional. I think there's a lot of sadness, and there's also a lot of happiness. Mm-hmm. So it is quite balanced. But uh, oh, I cried I, throughout the whole thing because I knew it was you just were highly emotional. Because <laughs> I was going, <laughs> yeah, I was like, that that's not your cold. That's a <laughs> well, so. it just it kept making me think. Like you put yourself in the situation, you put your loved ones in the situation, and then also I did. Make myself think, what if my son, I don't have a son, but what if I had a son, or my nephew, were was the terrorist? Right. And I found out later, or found out, you know, I have no clue, and then I find out that someone that I care about very deeply has done this thing. You know, there's always another, there's always the other side, not an excuse for that individual's actions, but there are people around. And like when she said... um, the people who orbit around you. You don't even know how it's affected all these people who orbit around you. Yeah. Because he was very singular in his thinking. And that's why I think about even the person who does it, depending on their own philosophies about life and all that. But, I mean, there's somebody going to Like, be your there. life hasn't just changed. Look at us lot. Like, look at me. Look at your mother. We're all... We've all changed. Right. But I'm like, thinking about the, the terrorist person also has somebody in their life who doesn't approve and now is gonna be living with this thing of like should i have could i have seen this could i have done something oh my and you live with the guilt and the 
There's going to be somebody. I'm not saying lots of people around them, because a lot of people who have those philosophies often feel the same way, think the same way. But there's going to be somebody somewhere in that person's life. I mean, these are a set of brothers, right? They have parents, they have siblings, they have aunts, uncles, grandparents. And then you just think the the nuclear fallout of your bad decision, it's incredible. And so that that's what I like about these kind of movies that are well done. It is very well done. So, um, yeah, I would recommend it. Thanks to Lionsgate for the Blu-ray. And if you want to enter a contest, go to acegully.com. We've got a contest for Reese Witherspoon's new movie, Home Again, and a new horror movie called Friend Request. You can win a copy of those on Blu-ray. Go to acegully.com. You can enter. Next week's Blu-ray review will be Darren Aronofsky's Mother. We'll be looking at that next week. Always like a Darren Aronofsky film, apart from Noah. Didn't like that one. Remember Noah? Yeah. Barely. <laughs> Darren Aronofsky <laughs> uh, really makes a mark, usually, but Noah was a big miss for me. Black I mean, Swan, right? Black Swan, fantastic. Columbine. Requiem for a Dream, fantastic. Um, Wasn't he Columbine? No. The Wrestler, fantastic. Who's Columbine? Well, Columbine. Wasn't it called Columbine? No, that's um, Lars von Trier, isn't it? Is that what was called? Was it? it wasn't called Columbine, I guess. I know which one you mean. The elephant. Elephant, yeah. Yeah, I think that's Lars von Trier. Who's a different person than Darren Aronofsky. Requiem for a Dream would probably be his... Well, Black Swan would be his most famous. Gus Van Sant. Gus Van Sant. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's another guy. So you get <laughs> yes, there's, there's lots of other guys. Yeah, Darren Aronofsky. Uh, that Noah was the weirdest. It was just not good... No, it's just very, <laughs> it's just very, ugh. Just not good. When we know, because we've seen Black Swan, how awesome that guy can be. So let's see how he does with Mother. We'll look at that next week. Movie recommendations. I am going on the subject of the movie Stronger. I'm going with Sully with um, Mr. Tom Hanks, which I thought was an awesome movie based on a true event. That was why I chose it. Also, Jeff's um, friend in this movie is called Sully, and that's what reminded me of it. My second one is a movie with Jake Gyllenhaal that I really like, and it's called Night Stalker, and I don't think tons of people saw this one. It's a good one. But he plays this, like a... <laughs> what would you call that? What is that guy called who does that? Hmm, like psychopath? A... Psychopath? <laughs> no, um, the, the job of like filming stuff and selling it to the press. I mean, you could call it a paparazzi, but... Like, yeah. Like, this guy particularly films, like, you know, don't so, give it. Yeah, don't don't spoil it. But yeah. Well, people who've had a crash or something like that. Yeah. Like, uh, it'll give the footage to the news, and then the news give you some money. But there's a lot more to it than that. Night Stalker. That was a good one because it was just fucking weird. It's just a weird, awesome film. Um, so yours are. Mine are recommendations. Are I'm not going to. I'm going way out here. This is the last show of the year, so I'm going to throw my two favorites out there. Two top favorites. Out of my top five, I guess, of all time, not this year, but Wizard of Oz is a good one to watch. I need to watch it soon. And Midnight Run. And I was reminded of Midnight Run, Robert De Niro, Charles Grogan, Grodin, because there's an episode of Bob's Burgers, which you know very well. <laughs> I watch Bob's Burgers every single day. <laughs> yes, you do. There's something wrong in my head. You watch it a lot. I actually miss it. It's like listening to my favorite music, and I've said this before. It isn't like watching a show for me anymore. <laughs> if someone could explain to the people who make that show 
I mean, I'm not like a fangirl, if that's what you want to call it. I'm not obsessed. I don't have posters of them or anything. I did get some lovely Funko. Um, what are they called? Not bobbleheads. You gave Funko me- Pops. Yeah, Funko Pops for Christmas of the kids. <laughs> Other than that, it's not like I wear shirts of them or, or anything. But I will quote them occasionally, and I watch it every day. And so there's an episode of Bob's Burgers that is... And I, when it was started, I was like... <gasps> Are you kidding me that somebody else loves this movie as much as I do to turn it into an episode of this show? So I'm going to say Midnight Run, Robert De Niro, Wizard of Oz, of course, Judy Garland, if you haven't heard of it. <laughs> so those are my recommendations, just for my own personal pleasure, and I need to cap off the year by watching this. All right, so Games and A Scully stuff. This one's for, this one's about you, actually, Sid Talk. Okay. Sid Talk experienced some virtual reality um, the other day. Uh, I put you in uh, three experiences. Yes. The first one would be uh, the blue. What did you think of the blue? And tell the tell them what you what it is. What sounds did I make? <laughs> Weird sounds. <laughs> I'm not easily impressed. I'm really not. 3D doesn't. No, do you're shit really for not. Me. I'm really not. 3D. No. I couldn't give a shit about sitting in front of a flat screen with pretend stuff trying to come out at me because it doesn't do anything for me. So three, and even the first time I went into your virtual reality, I was a little, uh, my eyes were a little blurry and it, you know, it was cool and everything. But this, you sat me in a chair, put me in the ocean at the bottom. True. And it's done so well. Not that I feel like I'm in the ocean. I'm not gullible. I'm not sitting there like, oh, I've been transported to the bottom of the ocean. Oh my God. It's not like that. No. But you're, it's like. You're not holding your breath. I am looking around 360 degrees, spinning the chair, getting the cable kind of wrapped around my foot and realizing and seeing. I can see why this can be a changer of experiences for people. And no, I'm not in the ocean. I never will probably be at the bottom of the ocean in my whole entire life. I won't say never, never, because who knows, right? Chances are, I will not be. So for someone else to simulate that, for me to feel like... And what was the thing? The one that was really amazing was um, the whale comes up on you real close. That was cool. But then, Whale encounter, that one But is then called. you're in the bottom, and you're surrounded by like what look like big whale bones. You're like in the rib cage of a dead whale at the bottom, and you're looking around, and those little fish are going around, and crab on the bottom and then you look up and I even and I I've I've seen you do it and I'm always like all right I like went shook my head back like shit and there's a giant squid yeah (laughs) right over coming down like right over and then right past your head and you don't feel it because you're not in the ocean but you feel it because your brain and your eyes are, like, conspiring against you <laughs> to, like, fool you. Yeah, it's realistic enough to... And it's, all, it's like, breathtaking even. You're like, oh, God. And I can understand the... You know, I don't have any inability to go anywhere. Like, I could climb out Everest if I put my mind to it. I could go to the bottom of the ocean if I did all the stuff I needed to do. I don't have any physical impairments... Right? It's just going to be down to laziness or expense or not wanting to make the effort that would lead me to want to experience these things virtually. But I can see why when people do have, like, say, my mom cannot go to Machu Picchu because she's too old now. She's over the age limit. And she has said since she was eight years old and they got a school book. She's 76. 
She got a school book when she was a girl. And it was like the most amazing thought because they had just discovered it like not too long before that. And she saw pictures of this place on top of a mountain where people had been and they were all gone and what happened to them. And it was the most amazing thing. And she'd always thought, oh, how amazing it would be to go there. If they were to do a proper one, they have one out there that we that we use. But if they did a proper one and you put that on my mom's head and she got to be there, even virtually, I feel like I don't care if people think that's tricking your mind. Because yeah. it, it fills in something that you couldn't do and still gives you that appreciation for it and the experience of it. It's moving even when you... Oh, I did the Apollo. 11? Yeah, that was amazing. The blue, the blue That was the, really amazing. Yeah, the blue is... um, It won actually an Emmy. The, the blue, blue is awesome. The blue is like three nature... It's almost like, you're, you know, planet Earth or those kind of... Yeah. It's I like, mean, it's a little... It's like you're inside those. It's a tiny bit cartoony, just ever so slightly. Yeah, because it's not a video. It's computer graphics. Correct. Right. But the Apollo thing, and it's all generated, but that was really amazing. Apollo 11 is an hour-long virtual reality documentary, let's say. Experience. And it takes Mm -hmm. you through Apollo 11's journey, doesn't it? Yeah. It starts with the um, president's speech, which is really rousing, projected on this wall. And then you actually get to get in the pod with the with them, take off. It was it was amazing. You get to walk on the you know the you see the walk on the moon part. And you get to see the re-entry, and you know it's it's a whole experience. The music's all epic and it's like, really it, it just you know I I've always said if you told me there's gonna be a generation ship, of course that's from Star Trek, but a generation ship we're gonna be thousand people on it and you're going to take off and you're never coming back it's just you're going and you're going to go as far as you can go gather as much information as you can feed it all back to us but that's it you're not coming back and as terrible as that sounds to my family and friends i'd be my hand would go up first i'd be like i'm going right so space is like one of those things that i would you know so this yeah and it's not a video game by the way it's the no the the experiences yeah, this is more like you'd go to a museum, put this on, and feel, go through the process. But they get you right, they put you right out in space where you're watching it come past you. You see the Earth, and the, you're on the moon when, you know, it's just a different perspective. And the thing about being able to look all around, and again, your brain works with your eyes. Yep. To trick you. <laughs> it's like, it's just tricking you. It's and a, I'm I'm all for it when the experience moves me like that. I'm happy happy with that. And then the final one you tried was um, Ultra Wings, which is a flight simulator of sorts, more cartoony kind of flight simulator. Mm-hmm. It's <clears> fun though. I was very good at in, it, but yeah, you get to be in a little micro light, one of those like hang gliders with an engine stuck on them, basically, and you get to just fly around a little bit, fly through some hoops. Gives you the feeling of you get you do get an odd feeling, right? Like a motion sickness kind of yeah bizarre thing. At first, it took me a few minutes. I kind yeah. of rallied, but there's, there's definitely a thing, isn't there? Though the way you don't, yeah, you feel a bit weird. But yeah, so uh, Sid Talk tried some virtual reality and actually like some of it. I'll try some more. Yeah, I've got a couple <laughs> more experiences for you to try. I've got uh, Everest. Oh yes, uh, and I've it's an Everest yeah. exhibition expedition, and uh, I've also got Titanic, where you get to see the um, ocean floor and um, Titanic. 
And uh, there are a bunch of... Uh, there's an International Space Station one as well that's just Ooh, come out recently. I like that. Anything spacey. I'm in. Mission ISS, I believe it's called. But yeah, it's one of those like experiences where you get to see around the space station and see from it. So yeah, that's some virtual reality things that we did. We also went to see a movie called The Last Jedi. It's uh, the new movie in the Star Wars uh, saga, if you've not heard of it. If you're listening to this podcast, you've probably <laughs> heard of it. <laughs> Don't want to... Like, we will review The Last Jedi when it comes on Blu-ray in April. Um, oh, I'll, I'll just be so surprised at what you have to say about it when the time comes. Yeah. Because I haven't heard enough about it We went it to already. see this in the theaters, <laughs> and... Uh, it was all right, actually. The movie experience was fine. We had some young men sitting in front of us, and I hate to be prejudiced against 19 to 22-year-old young men, or people in general, because young ladies can be just as uh, obnoxious. But they were perfectly fine. They didn't make a noise. They didn't get on the phones. They were. I thought, oh, they've probably seen this ten times already. They just sat there nice and quietly. I was you know why? I think they were enjoying the film. Exactly. <laughs> you Ooh, know, what a concept. It actually kept their attention for the whole... And you watched a movie last night in a special place. Oh, yeah, that is actually a unique thing. Um, yesterday, um, there is an app in VR called Big Screen. It's actually free on Steam. Um, it's all free, uh, Big Screen. But Big Screen have, have done this new thing. It was the first time it has ever been done. And they work with Paramount Pictures to uh, make a virtual reality cinema which was showing, this was yesterday only, so you can't see it anymore, but it was showing screenings of Top Gun in 3D. Now, Top Gun, I particularly like as a movie. I've never seen it in 3D. And um, you get you op- open the big screen up, stick your um, virtual reality headset on, and you're in the foyer of this you know, multiplex cinema. There's the guy making the popcorn over there. There's all the different theatres, and you, it's got the, the uh, screening times on the doors of the theatres. So I found one where the movie was about to start, went in, and you're sat in this giant theatre, and uh, Top Gun plays there in 3D, and you're sat with a bunch of other people who are watching it. And uh, I watched the whole movie. <laughs> I said to you, uh, I started to watch it, I just wanted to see what it looked like. And then I said to you, no, I'm watching this whole thing, and I put my earphones in. <laughs> And I sat and watched the whole movie, and it was quite a cool experience because it looks really good. The 3D is perfect. You know, you're not having to wear, like I said to you, in the cinema, you're having to wear sunglasses, basically, right? Yeah. And it makes the movie really dim. It's kind of irritating wearing those glasses. Uh, but in this, you're wearing the headset, so you're, and there is no dimming of the picture because you're seeing the picture just in 3D. Um, all the other people sat around. Uh, you might think, well, that's, that'll be annoying because that's like being in the real theater where everybody's on the phones or they play. Well, you can kind of, you, you can actually mute the whole room or you can even turn the people off completely so you can't see anybody and you're just in the big giant theater on your own. You can sit in any seat you want. You just point at the seat and move to the seat. So I tried all the different seats. You sit up at the front. It's like you're cranking your neck. I hate being at the front in the theater. I, even in the VR, it felt, <laughs> it emulated the experience that I know of having to look up in the, you know, crank your neck. I hate that. I seem to prefer sitting right at the back. I've never done anything like this. Watched a whole movie in VR. That'd be my first time in my life I've done that. Well, but, yeah, there hasn't been VR for um, most of your 50, almost years. No. Uh, it's awesome, I have to say. And big screen, this app, it's free, like I say. Um, they are, in 2018, they're going to have a different movie every week for free. 
So they're working with the movie studios. So I'm assuming it'll be a lot of classic films like Top Gun. <laughs> some might say it's a classic, some might say it isn't. But, you know, more older <laughs> That'd films. That But I could see them actually opening movies, um, you know, when the Blu-ray comes out, having a uh, screening in VR, because why not? It's just promotion for them. Mm -hmm. When you actually go in and see Top Gun, um, it actually had trailers at the beginning, like they do in a real movie. And, um, you know, it it was trailers for very new Paramount movies that were just about to come out. So, you know, it's a big promotional thing, but it is really cool to sit down in this giant theater that really feels like a giant theater and watch a movie, because it... And, you know, you were sat behind me and it's just me sat in this chair. But I'm in a giant theatre and you're not. So, yeah, that was really cool. So, yeah, we saw The Last Jedi and uh, I was suffice to say I'm a Star Wars fan and I loved it. And uh, I think you enjoyed it too. I did. I thought it was really good. Another movie we saw during this uh, week off that we had here from the podcast is uh, Ridley Scott's Alien Covenant now, I really love uh, Alien and the whole franchise, but not so much this one. <laughs> I have to say I was quite disappointed at the end of it. I actually enjoyed Prometheus, and most people didn't. That one, I got a lot of slagging off, and I actually liked that one quite quite a bit. Uh, a lot of it down to um, Charlie's Theron, who I really like in it. Um, but this one, it didn't do a lot for me. I don't know about you. Um... You know me with space and alien movies in particular. I've been a fan. It wanes a bit here and there, but I, I'm in it. I'm in it. I'm in that universe. What I loved about it was that ship. You know, I'm, I'm convinced that is a big giant ship floating through space and their missions of whatever they're doing. Like they go, oh, this is a colony ship, right? So it's so like my generation ship. They're just going and they're not coming back. There's no one to a place to set up a colony on a different planet. That, not necessarily the same old trope of everybody's asleep and they're all frozen until... Like the movie Passengers that we saw. Passengers and even, um, this wasn't a space movie, but the show that we watched, the Twin Pines, you know, where everybody's just been frozen. Twin Pines. Now that sounds like a mixture of two shows. You mean Wayward Pines. I mean Wayward Pines, yes. (laughs) Weird Pines, where everybody's been frozen for 2,000 years or whatever. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's just a, one of those things. It's like, eh, you know, I get it. That's kind of the concept of scientists have theorized that that's the only way we'll ever ever lose space. I get it. Something a little different would have been nice. Um, or just having them live for the however many years, the seven years that it's going to take them to get there. Just have a ship that it's alive, like a community, and then you end up. You've lived seven years on this spaceship. I mean, that's what people on Enterprise do. They just live. But whatever. So I love that idea of it, this big giant ship and it's being made and it's looked beautiful and I love all the the ideas of what it would take to kind of endure space travel. Um but overall the, the ultimate idea is a bit weak, I thought. Uh, yeah, I thought I think Ridley Scott is his visuals are incredible. He's like, easily I, pleased because I watched Gladiator again. It's not as great as it. No, but I mean, like, in uh, recently, let, let's say um, Prometheus. It's incredible looking movie, like it or not. Um, the Martian is an incredible looking space movie, also, and 
Alien Covenant is a brilliant. It just looks like it looks lovely. It's the, yeah, he he knows how to make something look good. Mm-hmm. But I think the overall the actual story was real shallow. It was like a get all these people together into one place and then an alien can kill them all. <laughs> Which we know that, that that is the kind of thing that happens in alien movies, but it felt very you know, there was a bit of a hook. There's some couples here in the in this crew. Like, I thought that was going to be a cool hook, but it wasn't really. It didn't matter. Like, Mm-mm. the one thing uh, I did get, uh, the CG alien, I don't like it as much as the man in the suit. It's a bit too kind of perfect or something. Yeah, I agree. When it runs around, it's like very, C- it's very CG. It doesn't, the man in the suit's more scary in the first movie. Um, One thing I had to say, and that was Danny McBride, who you really dislike. I really do. Actually did really well in this movie. He was fine. He did not. (laughs) Even though his character kind of had that kind of smart-assy, asshole-y kind of feel to him, he, I felt he loses somebody. I felt that. And he what? there's a lot of dumb people in this movie, too. It's very dumb. A lot of dumb. I told you that was my main complaint is it's so dumb. It's it's actually it's so dumb that Danny McBride's character is one of the mo- <laughs> one of the actual non-dumbest ones. Like it's weird like it's you you'd expect at the beginning oh he's the one who's going to die quick isn't he? He's going to be stupid. Spoiler. Um, if you're trying to say that. Well yeah, the movie's like it's so dumb like it's for a sciency kind of based movie which it is supposed to be. And supposed to be, it almost comes across as like the way they present alien movies nowadays and Prometheus. It comes across like trying to be intellectual a little bit. It's so unintellectual. It's kind of comedic, like cause yeah, because it's, it's dumb. Full of if you try and pick it apart, if you just think about it a little bit when it's over, you'll be like, "What the hell? Why did anybody <laughs> do any of that?" Yep, it's just dumb, dumb, dumb. Yeah. but. I still enjoyed it. Yeah, <laughs> I, I can see past. It's like high end, like B, B, like a B movie with a slasher killing everybody. It's like a high end version of that with cool special effects. But as far as the plot goes, it's just as dumb as the B movie. True. So, unfortunately, it looks good on the surface, but underneath, it might not be so great. I was a bit disappointed, like because I love Alien, you know. Um, and now... I wasn't disappointed, because when you think of them all combined... Yeah. I mean, this is a trilogy. The, the newness of so. the first... It's not a trilogy. It's the whole of it. I don't care what anybody says. It's all the same thing. It's all one big story to me. Don't give a shit about the canon- non-canonical shit. I, I'm a fan, so I decide which parts go together. So, the first one, I think, was so shocking to people, because someone decided, just like making Star Trek, it's going to be like a Western in space concept with a monster of the week. So you boil it down, and then you put it in space, but there's something special about it to me. Alien is just a horror flick with a Jason or a Michael Voorhees in space. Happens to be an alien, right? A yeah. Just, you know, bug creature or whatever. So that newness of that one... And it is done in a way that from the 70s, you know, it's just, it's got that vibe. Not everyone would say that it's high quality. We happen to think it is. But if you put the whole, the story together, I dig it. All yeah. of it. Yeah. But I don't think Ridley Scott is quite as an imaginative person as people give him credit for. 
Mm-mm. He just likes certain quality. He's a visual. He's certainly got an eye for what looks good. But yeah, some of the some of the actual script and plot choices yeah. are not kind of as good as they could be. <laughs> Um, so, uh, so this time in the podcast, uh, every year on our final show of the year, this being the final show of 2017, we do our top 10 mo- movies of the year and our top, our worst movie of the year. And that is not based on every movie we've seen this year, just based on ones that have been in this show. So we've made yeah. a podcast of, um, so what we're going to do is count down from number 10 and, uh, I'm going to say mine, and Sid Tut's going to say us, or whatever way we go. You're such a control freak. And uh, <laughs> I am going with my number 10 for this year, and that is Atomic Blonde with Charlize Theron. A number great, 10? It's number 10 for me. It's of a, your top 10? Yes. Okay. And it's a great action movie that we watched just recently, actually. Um, and, uh, you know, people have said it's like the female Bourne. And I kind of agree. It's uh, something I'd like to see more of. So that is my number 10. What do you uh, go for number 10? Let me just mark out my top 10. Top bottom 10. Okay. My, what I've done is keep a spreadsheet all year. And I put my score in there every week. And so that I don't have to think about it much at the end of the year. And then I always end up thinking about it. Because I'm like, nah, I like that one a little bit more, a little bit less or whatever. But here's what I've come up with. At the number 10, let's see, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. I'm sorry that you're having to hear Sid okay, Talk's thought n- process. <laughs> <laughs> my number 10, they're all equal. So there's three of them. Moonlight. No, the you Lego, can't have three. The it's Lego Batman one. movie and Megan Levy. Those Why are all you- three equal score, very different movies. As... Does that mean you haven't got ten anymore, or is, is this just like... No, I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven... Because this has broken it completely. <laughs> nope, that's good. That's it. That's my bottom... That's my the bottom... That's my number ten. Number ten is... You, your number ten is ten, nine, and eight, basically, right? No. My oh. number ten is just three movies equally <laughs> scored. I don't, I don't understand this anymore. They do. I give them a score, and they all got 8.5. So they are equal... Okay. Yeah. So Moonlight, the Lego Batman. So your top ten is actually three movies per. No, not three. It varies. <laughs> this is <laughs> you don't understand the rules of this. It's ten movies that you like the best, <laughs> not forty movies. I'm not, you've known me for like, eighteen years. Do I love rules? All right, number nine <laughs> for me is just one movie, <laughs> and it's Baby Driver, um, okay. which is which is uh, I thought was awesome. It's a great action movie again. And, I missed uh, my top ten pretty close, but it was, it was up there. And unfortunately, stars Kevin Spacey. Yeah. But I, it, it, regardless of that... I mean, we're not judging. I'm just saying, with all the shitstorm that's happened and his behavior... I really do still like Baby Driver, because it wasn't really about Kevin Spacey. No. It was about... He um, could, his character could have been anybody. Yeah. So my number nine is just one movie. You'll be happy to know. And it is Atomic Blonde. Oh, nice. So I, gave, I, I really enjoyed it. I love the soundtrack. I listen to it like every day, part of it. And um, I really dug it. I, I don't know that I loved every single element about it, but I really like it's got guts and it's like she's, I don't know, I really enjoyed it. I think it. it's a rewatchable movie too. I, like I agree. It. You know, like the Bond movies are, you can definitely rewatch those and they I agree. still work. Uh, so, number eight for me is T2 Train Spotting. It's a return to train spotting after all these years, which is a 
movie that is very fond in my heart, and we've actually watched that this year too. Um, and I've Train Spotting too. While it's not as good as Train Spotting, it still has all that um, good as in emotional. I don't or... think the story's quite as good. Hmm. It's not quite as gritty as the first one is, uh, but it's still. I still feel it. It did manage to make the hairs on the back of my neck stand up a few times <laughs> because of its nostalgic... Um, exactly. ...the way it kind of portrays itself. It it plays on that you knew the the first film so well that moments in this film will make you feel that film again. Wobbly. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> yes. yeah, T2 Train Spotting is my number eight. And my number eight is just one movie. You'll have to know. Deepwater Horizon. Oh. I know. That Surprising. actually just missed my top ten. I thought that was really well done, and it was just like, wow, you know. The, That's... the thought, it felt like telling me how, not how it could have been, because I wasn't there. But, I mean, telling me a story also that I didn't know anything about, really, yeah. other than what we saw in the news. But um, I thought it was really well done, and quite gripping and entertaining. That was the oil rig disaster yeah. movie, yeah. All right. So, at number seven in my list, it's Wonder Woman. Um, Wonder Woman was my favorite uh, superhero movie of this year. I think it actually was better than any of the Marvel stuff that came out. Uh, So, yeah, Wonder Woman is number seven for me. And next for me will be Manchester by the Sea. Nice. Because it made me ball, cry, and it was really intense and, like... Just sort of gut-wrenching as you go through the story of it, and it's one of those that twists around your mind about... It messes with you when you come to think a thing about a character, and then it's like, oh, whoa, 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 and now do I still have sympathy or not? And, you know, it's complex. I really liked it. I like the mood of it as well. All right, so number six for me is uh, unusual because I really dislike musicals in general, but this one really caught me, and I've actually watched it more than a few times since it came out, and that is La La Land with uh, Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone. Um, that did not even come close to my top ten. It, it, something about it just <laughs> hits all the right notes with me. Ha-ha. <laughs> yeah, I really liked it so a lot. So yeah, La La Land is my number six. And my next one is Girl with all the, the Girl with All the Gifts. Yeah. That was a surprise, and it was awesome, and it was like, whoa. What is like, that? What, what is it? Girl Just with All the Gifts is a... It's almost like... What's that game you play? Uh, the one that we compared it to, because it's like... Um, it's like a, it's not a zombie movie, necessarily, but it's humans are infected with the... Um, oh, you mean The Last of Us? What, yeah. What we they've discovered is like the... Um, the zombie yeah. virus or whatever where it gets in your brain and then it can make you do whatever until you poof yeah. out the spores. I mean, it's that. Mold. That's the thing. But it's done in such a way that you're like, wow. I mean, I, I was blown away. I love it. I loved it. Yeah. It was quiet and yet it was action-packed and it was... British. Very British. <laughs> it was, it was really of, good. So full of girl children all, and zombies. Girl with all the gifts. Really good. Yep, so my number five is a movie we watched just in the last podcast, actually, Dunkirk by Christopher Nolan. It's a that, good one. Yeah, a very um, serious look at a really interesting event, and uh, it was so well made. 
um, and moving, in my opinion. So Dunkirk is number five for me. And next for me is Ex Machina. Oh. Yeah. And Ex know. Machina didn't actually come out uh, this year, but it did come out on 4K, so... But it's the first time we saw it. Well, it we isn't a 20... It. Yeah. We, we reviewed did, it. We did review it, yeah. Yeah. I'm just ma- making that clear. You said that at the beginning. It's movies some, we've reviewed. Yeah, some people might think, well, Ex Machina came out like three years ago, but... Yeah, the first, first time, time we saw, saw it. So yeah. <laughs> I really enjoyed it. I love the concept. It's not a new concept of AI being developed and then the flaws with making, you know, a, a android or a computer who thinks for themselves or whatever. It just had a different vibe and I really liked her and I, the couple of characters a little obnoxious and it was a little bit theatrical occasionally with the performances but ultimately it rose up there just because of the kind of her really she kind of won and won me over okay so that is number i don't remember <laughs> i just i'm just looking down my list all right so not for me now uh number four in my top 10 of 2017 is Ghost in the Shell with Scarlett Johansson. Like mm-hmm. a lot of people did not like it, but I love visions of the future where the city looks like it does in that movie. Yeah, like I liked it and it wasn't great. Yeah, I agree, but but uh a lot of people didn't like it. I did like it a lot. I really would like to see more of it. I like that character. Um and I think it only scratched the surface of what that character is. But uh, the visuals in that movie are something else. So Ghost in the Shell is my number four. Next for me is a very familiar film because I go by scores and it's stronger. We just watched it a few minutes ago. Oh, yeah. Because it's it's the quality that rises up there for me. A memorable, emotional, thinking, high quality, you know. And you just, uh, you just heard our review of that, so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know what we think. I didn't have to think long and hard about it because my spreadsheet tells me it's at the top of the list. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So movie number three for me is Rogue One, a Star Wars story. That is a movie about Star Wars. (laughs) You know, it's not my favorite Star Wars movie, but I still love it. It's Star Wars. So Rogue One. My number three is Rogue One. Oh, it is? Yes. And I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I enjoy Star Wars, so <laughs> if a Star Wars movie comes out in a year, which it pro- probably does every year from now on, it'll probably be in my top ten at some some point. So you're biased, and so it shouldn't well, count. Well, if I was biased, it would be number one, wouldn't it? But it isn't. So <laughs> my number two movie this year is Wind River, which, oh, yeah. we, which we saw just recently. I thought it was fantastic. Hello, High Water, we saw last year. It happened to be my movie of last year. Wind River was very close because I think it is also an awesome, just so gripping and really full of suspense. I really liked it. And yours, though? Yours is number two? Number two is Dunkirk. Oh, nice. Because it was another one of those that made me think about the horrors of choices that people who want to rule the world make and that impact that that has. And a story that I'd never known before, and it was beautifully put together, and I just thought it was high quality. High quality in my list, and it rose right up there. I felt like it was well well deserved to be in the top. And my number one movie of 2017 
is Manchester by the Sea. Ah, I um, see. Yeah, I've, I've, it's a very... It's not just a very well-made film. It is, like, I, I can remember every scene almost. It's really harrowing, the whole thing. Yeah. And it's it's got a lot of comedy in it, even. But um, it's just a weird situation for this guy to be in, and I enjoy it. You know, it's maybe not a movie you would want to go to when you want to feel good and up a beat because it <laughs> no, has a lot of depression. We went through and... like four weeks of like the most downer movies. <laughs> I think we, if I look at them in order, yeah, it was like damn Moonlight and Manchester by but the, the Sea. The thing about storytelling is, you know, I'm not a now surprisingly because my two mo- favorite movies are, you know, Midnight Run and Wizard of Oz, which are pretty feel good, but. If every movie was happy and blah, 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 it'd be really boring. And I like kind of digging into the guts of how you feel about things. So I don't mind a bit of depression. I mean, in the movies. Yeah. And my number one, blah, 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 is Wind River. Because I felt like it had no flaws and I was completely engrossed in it. And I don't know, I was taken in there and it was super high quality again and kind of quiet, but. No. Beautiful. So that's our top ten and our worst movie of the year. And if we like did a drum roll and both said it after three, we'd probably say the same thing. Correct. So after three, let's say it. Mm-hmm. Three, two, one. The, the assignment. assignment. Makes me want to vomit just talking about it. The it was assignment really bad. was a really bad movie that we reviewed this year. Really, really bad. It was by Walter Hill who did the amazing movie The Warriors, which I still love to this day. It's so, such a cool movie. He made this movie called The Assignment, which had like Michelle Rodriguez and Sigourney Weaver in it. So, essential. Seemed like it would could be good. It looked crappy. It had crappy story. It had crappy acting. Crappy everything. Yeah, it's a really bad movie. I I wouldn't have watched it all if we weren't watching it for a review. (laughs) No, it's just a bad movie. It's just legitimately a bad movie. So avoid the assignment or watch it if you like watching bad movies. (laughs) (laughs) Either way, you will have fun. Possibly. It's just a poor quality. Poor quality. It's easily the the worst thing we've watched in a long time, right? Oh, yeah. Well, it's right up there with The Space Between Us, which I also hated. And The Circle, possibly. Well, you know what my number three worst movie was? Nocturnal Animals. Oh, was it? I, mm-hmm. I, I liked that one quite a bit more than you did. And Gold? I don't even remember what that was. Gold was Matthew McConaughey. The, the oh, gold, yeah. The... And, I mean, it was entertaining, but it was poor quality. And The Circle, I thought was really dumb. The Circle was one that I would put on there. Yeah. You know, like the part where Finn was like... <laughs> underneath the thing yeah it was just it was terrible. just dumb really dumb I mean it had some interesting stuff concept kind of stuff sure but it, it was kind of cool fairly badly put together unfortunately Miss Pond was really not great and oh yeah yeah I mm. mean I understood why she was the way she was but it wasn't it wasn't great no skip it <laughs> no watch it and decide for yourself so there are movies for 2017 we will watch lots of movies in 2018 and report back to you with our findings in 2018. Correct. So what's for dinner uh, tonight? Sit tonight down. is going to be some mushroom risotto, which I'm going to make from scratch. You're going to make it in your pan, new pan? My pans, yes. Oh my God, I love my pans. And um, For Christmas, I got her some cool pans. Cool, very cool. Uh, beautifully, beautiful. Ceramic pans. 
<laughs> you're very impressed by your purchase. I can tell. And I, as am I, I've cooked in them. I cook all the time. So I love them. So I'm making that. I'm going to try. And some carrots and probably throw a veggie burger in the microwave. Not really fancy, but mm. I happened to find some risotto rice in a bag and we ordered groceries. I got to lay delivery and had a bunch of mushrooms. So we're going for it. Yeah. How awesome is you? Our local, <laughs> what is it? Hy-Vee. All Hy-Vee's do it by now, I think. Yeah, they probably um, like a delivery service for your groceries. Um, and a very polite man brings your groceries around. very and, polite. <laughs> and he'll carry them in your house. And Correct. How much does it cost extra? Five dollars extra. Five dollars. Yeah. But, I mean, they literally bring... You have to order it the day before, and then you get it the day after. Correct. We can pick any day you want, as long as you don't order it the same day. But it's very specific. Like they, They'll tell you what time they come in. And as today, he was, <laughs> yeah. he was 10 minutes late, and he actually called to say he was going to be late. So and he was precisely 10 minutes The service late. is insane. Oh, well, that's such a good service, isn't it, for five bucks? And for someone who gets... I don't mind shopping when I'm in the mood and whatnot, uh, but it's really fucking boring to get the same shit. I love you very much, but you eat the same shit, and you want the same stuff over and over and over, and it makes me want to... When I look, sometimes I pull up to the grocery store, I'm just like, ugh. I don't even want to go in. I'm for my own stuff. I'm just like, oh my god, it's like I'm on a loop. Get the bread, get the bread, get the bread, get the milk, get the milk, get the bread, get the milk, get the chips, get the cereal, get the bread, get the milk. So having someone bring it to me when I can do the shopping on my phone, and then I buy other interesting things that I don't normally even find in the store, I'm high. I'm oh yeah, true. Yeah, I'm happy with that. All right, so uh, what is your advice? It says nothing here. There's nothing. Uh, oh, I have some. I put it on my other pay page here oh. on my spreadsheet <laughs> yes i even keep my spreadsheet uh, intact with my where is that oh yeah you're very small in a very big universe <laughs> you are it's not really advice but this it's a movie, comment uh, yeah the, the the idea of you suffering it is appropriate to suffer and feel bad and cope with bad things in life that's normal we have to you know you have to kind of dig through it and and feel it that's fair. But to never zoom out and realize that when you're sitting there bitching and moaning about something, that every single person around you... Now, I'm not talking about these kind of things like I lost my leg in a bombing. That's a that's a different level. I'm talking about the daily shit, you know? Like, oh, my car broke down. Oh, I'm not making enough money. Oh, I burned the pan last night and I throw out in the yard. I've had to say that before, but not in a self-pitying kind of way. More than funny, though, but... All the little shit that people just drag themselves down about as if no one else constantly experiences equal or worse things. Just zoom out and see how tiny you are and then use that as your perspective. Like, is this thing that I'm... Oh, poor me. I have to work on a holiday? Well, zoom out and think of all the other people on the planet (laughs) who... Celebrate this holiday, let's say Christmas, but who are also at their job. Say a soldier, an emergency worker, um, a person, a nurse in an emergency room, in a hospital even. Hospitals go 24-7 no matter what. Mental health facilities, people are there 24-7. Veterans hospitals, someone's there caring for them 24-7. You know, law enforcement are on up and running 24-7. You, because you have to sit at a desk on your ass watching some computers. I'm talking from my own experience. I work in a data center. Seriously. Shut up. Like, get over yourself. It is not that bad. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> it's seriously, I just think, are you kidding me? You know? Are you kidding me? 
And so that's why I'm like, you're very small in a very big place. And you need to get some perspective on the thing that you want to whine and moan about or the thing that's truly deserves your gut-wrenching, broken heart, broken guts, want to leave this world feeling and face it and deal with it and then hopefully move on from it. A thing that's real. Like, real. You know, like, we watched this movie and last year, no, year before last, um, the week of our 30th class reunion, a classmate of mine's wife, who happens to be one of my good friends, her brother was in a motorcycle accident. He hit one of the medians that have wires instead of, or have cables instead of our solid, you know, through the middle of the highway. Yep. And it sliced off both of his legs instantly, right at the top, like right below his hips. Both of his legs flung, flung in the ditch. He flings over there. They can't salvage anything. He, in an instant, this, I think he's 30 years old. Young man, 31 maybe. Uh, that was it. Riding his motorcycle one minute, the next minute. Just like this young man has, that's it. And he went through what seemed to be the same kind of stuff. You know, I'm half a person. I'm half a man. I'm, what use am I? I can't get a job. He went through all that. And I was thinking about that. That is a thing that is going to knock you down. <laughs> like, that's a true, that's some dark shit for you to have to cope with as a human being. Right? True. And then he has risen up out of it. He has has these moments, I believe, but it took a while. But it's not the same as, you know, all the other whiny shit that people like to wallow in. So you're very small in a big place. That's my that's my observation. All right. I would like to remind you about ascully.com. It's my website. You can go there. You can actually find this podcast there. It's the, on Twitter and Facebook. We are both on there. Ascully and Sid Talk. Catch this podcast on the Google Play Music Store, the iTunes Music Store, or the RSS feed. Or if you've got a Amazon device uh, in your home, you can say your trigger word and then listen to After the Show <laughs> Movie Podcast on TuneIn, and it will play you the latest episode. You can email feedback to me at com. Don't email Sid Talk unless... Well, no, don't email. <laughs> you can. And um, finally, stay classy 2017. It wasn't necessarily the most classy year, but it was it a year all the same. It wasn't bad for us, personally. I mean, you know, some Well, there was some shit aside. going on in this world. <laughs> yes. But again, how did it really truly affect us other than having to contemplate the bad shit that was going to work? I've had a good year of not having anything close to me. No one's become ill. My father did pass away. However, that again, that's one of those things in life that you... I'm a compartmentalizer. It's a thing. Deal with it. And then the remnants, kind of the little fingers of it keep touching you every once in a while. But it's not a weight on your shoulder. It can't be. Because then, what's the point of going on if you just keep carrying it around? So I think 2017 overall, it's been good. So happy 2018 and join us soon for some 2018 movies. Nice. And I'm going to say think for yourselves or someone will uh, do it for you.